All right, cool. So, Angelica. Yes. I got a very special guest in the house, and and I think it's a uh, it's cool because you bring something to the valley that's not really here. So I want you to plug your thing as soon as we can. Let's get this going. All right, I'll be hosting the South Texas Irish Festival Saturday, April fourth. It's an all day free community event with continuous entertainment on our center stage. So it'll be music, dance, music, dance. And that's Irish traditional music and dance, which has a broad range of types. You have singers, all types of instruments, as well as all types of dance, because there's the ultra traditional, there's the group party dancing, and then of course there's the competitive and show dancing, which if anybody's familiar with river dance, Lord of the Dance, things of this nature, that's what they would be more familiar with. So it's going to be really exciting and I'm going to pull people up and they're going to dance and we're going to have a whiskey tasting. Nice. And we're going to have kids crafts and activities like scavenger hunt. There's going to be food truck and vendors because I was thinking what's going to make this Irish festival different from any of the other ones I've been to or performed at or grew up with to make people, you know, want to come and explore the valley a little bit. And I want to give uh, that special valley flavor, I guess. You yeah. As a Dallas, uh, as a, native Dallasite, I guess you could say, coming to the Valley has been really refreshing because as a third person party, I have new eyes in the sense of what people take for granted. I'm like, wow, this is great. And something that I do like about the Valley in McAllen is there's tons of small businesses and there's tons of uh, small artists. And, you know, some people may have concerns like we don't have enough venues to express our art or our skill or our business. But for me, coming from Dallas, where it's such a a work going uphill to do something like that, it's remarkable. Yeah. So for my festival, nobody has to be Irish themed, but it's nice for the day if they have some sort of Irish initiative or integrate it into their work for the day to either sell or give or whatever they whatever they please. And I'm excited to say we'll have live painting happening as well, uh, big canvas and small canvas. So it's a way for people to just showcase their work in business. And since it's all day, 10 a.m. to 10 p.m. Yeah. and free, and it's right off of Main Street at the McAllen Creative Incubator, which I heard was the old McAllen Library. Yeah, it's, it's a really nice place. Yeah. They, they gutted it out and put a bunch of offices in there. The whole place is really nice. Yes. So you can find me in one of those cute little glass boxes. <laughs> uh, you'll know it's mine because I've got the posters up and I have some Irish traditional dresses up in the window. And I'll be having an exhibit of those actually at okay. the festival. Uh, because similar to any traditional uh, culture, there's a type of dress and it's normally very time intensive and artistically labored over and nowadays they're crazy they're so different from when i wore them but i want people to see the evolution of it how the style has changed uh, for instance my dress when i was 13 year old 13 years old and it's displayed in my window it's past my knees right and when you see my new one from competing this past december it's smaller and hmm. shorter than my a uh, 13 year old one and it's because basically the style of dance has become so athletic and so technically driven you have to be able to move you have to be able to move <clears throat> so people want lighter smaller dresses and basically what you see is a lot of the old celtic uh embroidery elements have mostly left it's very bright there's swarovski crystals all over them mm, they look nice. like shining chandeliers on the stage it's beautiful that's interesting. no doubt but for somebody like me who is literally been out of the competitive game for 20 years and you know i was prepping the two months before these uh, regional championships in dc this year and you know I was like, do i get a new dress do i do this do i do that you know <laughs> and my i i reaffiliated with my old school that I grew up with. So that's been really fun in there in Dallas. But they were just catching me up to date, you know, and all the younger dancers like, no, this is cool. No, yours is so out of date. I can tell <laughs> you're dated from your steps. I was like, whatever. Wow, that's crazy <laughs> that they know it just by the steps. I know. it's it, But now it's a cool thing to work towards, though. I think a lot of people see that and they step back like, oh, no, it's too much right. for me. And because I have my little studio at the incubator, as I was saying, so I'm holding things like free sessions and free dance lessons. And then 
for people who want to get into it, a monthly program where you could break it down. But what people don't realize is dance meets you where you are and everyone had to begin somewhere. And I know the steps that I have just now with me in this past summer, I looked at them and thought, I, I don't know if I can do this after 20 years away. It's completely different and too technical or whatever, but I, I did it. And I think that's uh, something to say for everyone. What I like about Kaylee dancing and that's the free social I have every month during Art Walk okay. at the Incubator. And what that is, it's all ages. Literally, somebody can be five years old. They can be 85 years old. And if you can walk and if you enjoy it, you can do it. The great thing is for one of my Kaylee, uh, for, I believe it was my Christmas Kaylee, my brother came in and he will actually be performing at nice. the festival. And he's uh, renowned for his banjo shredding as i like to say (laughs) you don't hear very many banjo players that can shred (laughs) no and for anybody who's uh, folk music oriented the irish banjo is different than the american banjo it's actually the tenor banjo so it's only four strings and instead of that twanging right it's actually really driven you uh, drive the melody and it's just played with a plectrum like a pick Hmm. and so it's really aggressive and it you Interesting, know, and it gets under your skin because it's playing the melody. So a lot of the times, I love dancing to banjo, Irish banjo music because it just yeah, it's that Irish folk music that's very boom, 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 yes. drive, boom, boom. It's yes. cool, <laughs> and I think that's why it has an international appeal because, um, sorry, readjusting myself. <laughs> um, I think that's why it has an international appeal because. I think when I was younger, I was probably one of the only ones who wouldn't have a direct Irish lineage, maybe. Well, actually, let's let's go back a little because uh, why an Irish festival, first of all, and then talk about that. But also, you know, this industry, like, you know, you know, you've been to Dublin and stuff like that. So we were talking off camera and you were telling me all this stuff that you've done. It's like, oh, damn. (laughs) So talk about that, because I want to be able to like, all right, this Mexican girl here is putting on an Irish festival. (laughs) But when you were talking about it, I was like, it makes sense. Yes. So uh, why an Irish festival? Basically, I grew up starting when I was eight playing music and Irish dancing. And what happened was I was already dancing and playing music. And I had seen Riverdance on TV. And then a local uh, dance company, Irish dance company, performed and held a workshop wonderfully enough those have become my friends and colleagues growing up and it's funny because i have like some of their autographs but um (laughs) and that same week was the north texas irish festival which if you happen to be in dallas this weekend it's happening um so i grew uh grew up at that festival and i was sold from that week on i bought my shoes at the festival and started going to lessons and it just really clicked with me and i think the music is really what captured me and since i love to dance when those two things joined together, it was just a, an addiction, I right. guess you could say. And uh, I think that music sort of transcends culture because at first when you hear it, it's like, okay, yes, that's very Irishy, you know. Yeah. I, I can picture that. Or uh, the other word people use is Celtic, you know, it's Celtic. Celtic. Yeah. And, um, uh, but there's a reason things like River Dance and the North Texas Irish Festival, for instance, in Dallas, it's huge and it's, Everybody of all sorts, they go and they enjoy it. And the music just kind of transports you. I think there's something poetic about it. And it's just, I don't know, makes you feel very alive. Um, and that's what I liked. I, I did live in Dublin. I was doing postgrad at Trinity there. And I was playing music mostly, not really dancing. Um, but what I loved about being in Dublin and playing music as opposed to my experience as competitively dancing in America is when I was in, you know, Irish dancing, I wanted, I want to be right. I want to be perfect. I want right. to be the top. And then that would affect my music practice. So I didn't want to play unless it was something perfect. Uh, then I went to Dublin and it's something different. It's not something to show off or perform. It's something to share you. When you go to a session, interesting, you're, you're sharing something, you know, so similar to mariachi and folklorico sort of tradition, there's hundreds, if not near a thousand different songs and tunes in the traditional repertoire. And it's so great because you'll see this 
85 year old player playing alongside for instance my brother when he was younger in dublin like a 13 year old and it's like wow what tune is that i yeah. really like that like oh i learned it from so and so this is in hmm. they learn it by ear so i think at mccallan in the rio grande valley it, this hasn't happened before and i think they should experience it not only like what i was saying to showcase you know business and art from the valley it's a way to give people wonder give right. people imagination see there's something else something if, else out there there's something else out there and if there's other musicians or dancers what i found is every time i go back to irish music and dance it positive positively affects my other crafts because i think as an artist or a musician athlete whatever when you experience something that's similar but different i think it stimulates your creativity your inspiration it kind of can serve as a muse. And what I'm trying to do is really create a social following so that when people want something to do on a Sunday, because right. that's my only complaint about McKellen, there's never anything, <laughs> there's never anything there's to never do. There's never anything to do on a Sunday. It kills me. Uh, so I'm purposely going to start something on Sunday. So if somebody needs something to do, they can just come for free, yeah. have a coffee, you know, dance, talk, play music, jam. And then if somebody else, uh, let's say, play some other sort like blues or jazz or classical depending on who shows up who's down for it we can it can sidestep into a completely sort yeah. of different there's there's no rules per se exactly yeah. there's no rules it's just kind of like a guideline mm -hmm. but I, I find it interesting because uh the, the whole passion part we we're talking about the irish part and you living in dublin you doing music and doing dance that's not what you originally went to school for no so <laughs> sorry mom so we always i always talk about <laughs> passion like it, do should you follow your passion or should you follow a career that you're going to have a safe so, net? So here's a little lesson uh, for everybody. Uh, I always functioned on that second ideal. You get a strong uh, profession or skill that you still enjoy, but it doesn't necessarily have to be passion. It's something you're strong in and motivated in, and it can like uh, you can fall back on it, right. and that can fund your fun passion. And it's crazy because it's like flip flopped. <laughs> it's like I, you know, I'm a mom. I have a four year old and I moved from Dublin to Brazil and my daughter was born in Brazil and then I moved back to Dallas. So through all that moving and postgraduate work, I wasn't in the workforce. And so, you know, just those grueling sessions on LinkedIn, like entry level position in my field is like five years experience you know mm -hmm. and it's like geez <laughs> uh, so i you know i was sending stuff out and people who are close to me and uh like my husband and close friends and sort of mentors every time they would hear me go through this same old uh, system same old rigmarole they're like you don't have to force a square peg into a round hole they right. know i'm passionate interested about other things and basically what happened for instance my husband's like why are you stressing right now if you can't get that sort of job then use this as an opportunity to focus on the thing that you've always yeah. owned about yeah. you know yeah. I'm always <laughs> complaining I never got to do this I never <laughs> got to do that and it was like he has a gift of putting things really simply that way where I can overcomplicate things <laughs> and I just sort of clicked like yeah, like, I guess I could just work on yeah. my music. I, I There's no rule saying that I can't. And it was almost like the second I gave myself that tiny window of permission, all this stuff. Just, How long was that going on in your head before you gave yourself permission to actually explore this? Gosh, I, I would say I grew, I grew up with that. I'm 31 now, and I left Dublin when I was 25. Okay. And... You know, How long were you in Dublin? Two years. Okay. And so I haven't visited in the past couple of years, but after that, I was there every year. Um, hopefully I'll make it this summer to bring my little one there. But uh, basically it's something I struggled with my whole life. I think a lot of, well, a lot of everybody, it doesn't have to be a certain type of person, but when you're somebody who gets fixed on something or you want, or you're perfectionistic or you hold high expectations for yourself you can find yourself always hitting a wall and you find yourself that you're only chasing something just because you said 
you would. Right. In an instant, you're like, oh, well, I said I would go to law school. I said I would work in public policy, you know, and you start getting in that I must because I said it. And I forget, I can't credit the quote, but there's always those type of quotes. It's like you're only one decision away from changing your life. And basically it's just. Like I said, even if you just talked to me this past summer, I I would have never imagined this. And I would say it was around that time I gave myself that permission. I was like, okay, I was visiting Dallas and I was like re-enrolled in my old school. I want to go to Aractus, which is the regionals. Let's do it. I paid the registration, so now I must. <laughs> you have to. <laughs> right. And, um, and I got in touch with uh, Laura Robles at the incubator and I was just, you know, how I am just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and telling her things I like, things, my ideas. And she had faith in me. She saw what I was hoping for. And I was able to get into the incubator, but before that be in the participate in the art walks, you know, just as an independent person. And that gave me the ability to start performing again, engaging people again. And not just in about Irish, I've been able to meet so many different people from marketing and public policy to different types of arts, you know, visual arts and different types of music. So it's really cool because I started working on a folklorico Irish dance mashup piece. And there's something about stamping your feet on the ground to a beat that is just (laughs) universal. I think it's something humans have always wanted to do. It's just the type of music you do it to. Uh, But I, I would say anybody who's listening, if they want an inspirational message, just don't waste your time hitting your head into something. If you do have a job you're good at and you, it's already secured and it's funding your passion, yeah. there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying you must toss off everything to be a true artist or anything. <laughs> um, but if you're finding that you're meeting resistance on a certain road you're trying to enter in my time, I guess, you know, maybe some of you are like, ah, 31. So, yeah. Well, oh, you'd be surprised because I think a lot of people are going exactly through what you were going through. Mm-hmm. So, and some people are going through what I was going through, stuff like that. So, I think every story mm-hmm. touches somebody. Yes. And basically, I just put myself through so much, you know, so much needless pain in that sense of either feeling like, oh, I should have done it this way or I should have done it that way, which of course should have, would have could have doesn't matter. You didn't. The only thing you can do is forward. And so I would always have, uh, you know, imaginings of leading things like this. And it was always that like, ah, but I need to do this over here. So I'll do it next year. And basically I think I turned, once I turned 30, I was like, ah, Like, <laughs> you're like, all right, I'm gonna do it. Yeah, just yeah, do I, it. I think like, that's that's the hard part. Is like you you already implemented your idea. Like a lot of people have ideas, 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 ideas. And they talk about it so much, they strip it down. They know it has to be perfect, and then it never happens. And then it happens next year, and it happens the year after, and never comes to fruition. I guess. I know that. So <laughs> the implementation of an idea, you're already far ahead of everybody else. So that's the great thing about this. But I think that that. You actually having this, having something different, completely different. It's April 4th. Uh, it's going to be really cool for the Rio Grande Valley to see. And I hope a lot of people come out. Like, I just got that cool uh, canvas back here. It oh. says, ideas are worth nothing. It's the <laughs> it's truth. truth. <laughs> <laughs> I know it. <laughs> so how far was it, like, for you to take that leap? So obviously, you're married. You have kids. One kid. One kid. One kid. A dog. And then two fur kids. Yeah. <laughs> and then you travel and, and you're busy. So like, how's, how's the, how are you, I guess, navigating your business life with your personal life? I think, um, and you know, each personality is different, but I think when I'm most successful is when I'm busy, but in different areas of my life, not just all everything in one area, because I get burnt out that way. Or similar to what you're saying, just the idea of stripping it down, stripping it down, overthinking it, yeah. overthinking it. Um, when I try to do something like that, that's what happens to me. Or as when I just get any sort of momentum going, uh, you know, I wish I should have had like a whole list of quotes here. So I was <laughs> able to credit them. But it's uh, basically it's all you have to do is the first step. It's I think that's a part of the Pomodoro technique and things of all that nature. I know there's something called like eat the frog or it's like. The minute you wake up, do the thing you most don't want to do for the day. And it took me forever to do that. But 
it's crazy. Once you get that one thing done, nothing else, everything else starts flowing and you don't, you don't mind it. It doesn't feel like work. And that's what happened with this is I had the idea and what happened was at a session at uh, the O'Flaherty retreat, which is a wonderful retreat. My family attends uh, near Dallas and it's all Irish traditional music and they bring in the greats from all over the world, Ireland, Pan American, everything, uh, leaders in their craft and they teach uh, lessons. But every night there's a massive session, which is what I was telling you, this socialization, uh, this social tradition where you sit and drink and talk and play. And of course, you know, I had my whiskey and I'm like, you know, I just became a resident of somewhere and it's like a perfect building to have (laughs) some tiny little festival. And, you know, I said it out loud to people. And as you'd have it, I'll go ahead and give credit where credit's due. Dave Curley, my um, headliner, is an incredible musician and he'll hate me for saying this, also was a dancer. Um, (laughs) And a good one. But basically, he just he said, I'll do it. I'm going to be in Austin. You know, maybe we can do it around that time. I'll do it. Nice. And uh, has he ever been here to the Valley? No. Okay. And, but here's what happened. So, you know, that's, everyone's having fun. It's like 1am, whatever. And I come back to the Valley and he followed up with me. He's like, I'm serious. Like I, I'll, <laughs> I'll find the, I was like, okay, okay. And then he said it one more time. He's like, okay, I'm free April 4th or April 5th, I'm going to be in Austin. I'll come down. And I was like, well, dang. <laughs> now you have to do <laughs> I, I it. I have to. And so I went to, and I was like, can we uh, do this event? I was kind of talking to you about April 4th. She's like, you know, well, let me check, you know, just the normal scheduling. Okay. It's booked. And that easy, you know, just Interesting. that easy. It almost feels like it's kind of serendipitous Ooh. that the whole thing just yes. worked out. It was supposed to work out. Yes, it does. It does feel that way. And I think, you know, when you're chasing something you like or you love, I think the universe meets you where you yeah. are. I mean, I don't know what anyone's religious affiliation would be, but I I don't know. That's just my experience. Everything, I do believe that because yeah. it's true. Because I think if you're working towards something, like you, the doors just open somehow, some way they just happen. That's yeah. why I always jump before I know something. Are you that type of person as well? Yes. I, I, <laughs> Not I, a lot of people like that. <laughs> I am. And uh, uh, that's, what ha- <laughs> that's what happened was he told me April 4th and this one, it's like I could have kept it like as a showcase, but I felt so, I guess, appreciative of that sort of follow-up. Of that. Right. You don't get that a lot no, with people. People say things and forget about them or like oh actually i'm doing this especially when you've been drinking oh yeah (laughs) especially when whiskey's been involved and um so sort of i think in that universal kind of appreciation to see somebody turn around for me like that and also laura at the incubator has been just invaluable for me and her always sort of guiding and directing me because she's of course a veteran she knows event planning and all these contacts and stuff. So if I have an idea, she's like, well, maybe, it would, you know, so when I, I see these people who have a sort of faith in me or not an expectation, but they trust me, right. I feel the need to rise to the occasion. And I think I needed that little shove, like, well, if Dave Curley's coming in and if my brother's coming in and like, you know, I get to use this great building, I got to do it the right way. Yeah. <laughs> like, I got to do it the right way. And so that's, what's cool. I, I, you know, I just want to make sure that I create something that everyone from the Valley would be proud of to be represented. And this you know, is family friendly, right? Little family kids friendly, family learn to friendly. dance and all that stuff. Exactly. And so, of course, like I talk about whiskey tasting and stuff, but similarly, what we we're talking about culture, like any sort of Irish festival you go to, it's family friendly. Of course, there's going to be Irish whiskey, Irish beer, but it's just an overall inclusive community event. And so whatever you go there for, if you're just, you know, a young 21 plus going with some friends, you're going to have fun. If you're someone like me looking for all the free events to do with your (laughs) four-year-old on the weekend, this is the place for you. There's going to be crafts. There's going to be interactive art, um, museum, uh, selfie station, all these sorts of, you know, fun things. And since the entertainment will be continuous and I'll be having it probably in 
half hour slots. Okay. You know, just so it's going. So, Music, dancing. Right. So then, because sometimes that happens at any sort of festival, the stages are spread apart. There's these really, you know, a strict, rigid schedules yeah. and you kind of have to time yourself of when you eat, when you go and stuff like that. But this, I like that it's all in one open space. It's a second floor mezzanine, you know, and we'll be sectioning off our parking lot for food trucks and whatnot. That's awesome. Um, somebody only has to walk in and probably in the span of them walking the vendors and getting some food, they will have been able to see a variety of quality entertainment, you know, Yeah. and it won't feel stale. It won't feel like there's a droop or anything. And so that's what I wanted. And I think people were like, Oh, don't you want a bigger place or want to be outside? I was like, no, this is what you need. You yeah. need this. Like it, intimacy type of thing. Yes. It's big enough where you're not going to be claustrophobic. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like a fire hazard, you know, but it's almost that idea of an Irish pub. Like everyone's close together. Everyone's enjoying it. And the cool thing, what I love all, all my native like Dubliner friends would probably groan if they listened to this. <laughs> but what is similar to me coming to the Valley and be like, wow, this is great. And everyone's like, oh, you know, <laughs> <laughs> um, in Dublin, even after I was living there for a while, I would still go to Temple Bar, which Temple Bar is like, um, I guess, equivalent to our 17th Street. But okay. it's but it's all day and it's also restaurants and cafes because it's the tourist area. Gotcha. Sort of like New Yorkers say, don't go to Times Square. Yeah. It's, it's like <laughs> you that. You have to go. <laughs> right. And so even after living there for a while, I still loved to go to Temple Bar and Temple Bar Pub. And it would just be awful. It'd be so like cramped like everywhere. <laughs> but if you were like, if you ever wanted inspiration or just random like, cool moments and human connection you go to these temple bar uh, like different pubs and establishments especially in summer oh my gosh like <laughs> it's awful i was always late to work because i'd have to like oh, go through all the tourists running through them people stopping me for directions like <laughs> um but i go in and what's so cool is you walk out and you will have not just talked you know had conversations with five different people you will have effectively made like instant friends wow. for the night and you will have done something <laughs> and people would make fun of me because they're they're like where are you going oh i'm going to i'm going to house which that's like a bar oh who are you going with oh these like italians i met like you yeah. know and that's like, this is very touristy so you can make friends really fast it's very touristy and it's very student oriented and so that's actually where i met my husband he's okay. from brazil and he was there as a student as well and we didn't meet each other until after living there for a while, but it's wonderfully conducive to student life and young professional life. So there's a huge surge in a population of anywhere from like 18 year olds to like 35 year olds. And they have Google, Yahoo, Pinterest, all these new. So when you were there, what social media was like, I guess the, the, the best thing? to use? I, I would, I would say Instagram was, I would say Instagram because I was sort of on and off. Like to this will this will date it. Now I'm a Visco girl. I, I'll use <laughs> Visco. I'll use Visco, or I'll just use film to be extra hipster. <laughs> but I was using Instagram filters. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, Amaro for life. Um, yeah, I always ask everybody because I'm always interested in figuring out like where, like in Austin, what do they use the most? Like mm -hmm. Twitter. Or in California, when I go to conventions, mm -hmm. they use Twitter. Right. Or in like Dominican Republic, they use a lot of Facebook. Mm -hmm. So I'm always interested in, in asking people. Yes. So is that your current platform that you're using the most? Yes. Instagram, I, it's funny because in the beginning, I was just, you can see my first picture. I had no idea what I was doing. If you scroll <laughs> like a thousand years ago, it's just like, what? <laughs> what is that? <laughs> um, but since I travel a lot, and I guess you could say maybe it's evident in my sort of uh, professional passions. I'm a traveler. I love to travel. I love to write about travel, talk about travel, um, assist people, you know, in the sense, my friends, I just had a friend message me yesterday saying she's going to Ireland nice. in October. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> and so I, we're going to meet up when I'm in Dallas and I'm going to, you know, write on the napkin, like all my notes. And <laughs> so I, I adore it. So I think Instagram provided that perfect platform for me because Facebook, Facebook is good in the sense it's an easy way. You know, you can get in touch with somebody quickly, I suppose. 
um, well, now it's a bit generational. Now yeah. above a certain a generation. It's not cool. Right. <laughs> and, uh, but, you know, it's good for that. But I don't know if it was algorithm or setup or focus, but it just wasn't conducive to that. I always felt like I needed to write something uh, for Facebook or make an album or something. What I love about Instagram, it's just maybe it matches my personality more, just like a crazy, like, you know, yeah. one photo, maybe along. Uh, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Maybe a long status with it, maybe a short uh, one, but I think it matches my personality, matches my travels. Uh, before I was obsessed with being very linear <laughs> and I, everything in chronological order, but yeah. now it's just like I post when I post and now I focus more on my McAllen Irish Arts page and that one has been so much fun and I think it's because it's been externalized instead of having to report about my travels right i think sometimes it feels a little bit like it's about me it's about me it's about me yes what i like about my new professional instagram is for instance i just posted a spotlight on my brother and i talk about the art i talk about the craft and traveling and personal stuff can become a part of it but it's not the main focus right when people go i like them to be able to go and either experience something they never experienced, learn something or, you know, just enjoy it. Not just the same old, same old. Cause I think that's the problem or not the problem, the challenge of marketing these days, uh, for instance, for this event, it's like, what sort of things do I need to do for people to see what I'm doing? And then you could go on Pinterest, you could Google it, whatever. And there's going to be the five steps, the 10 steps you have to do. And everything is just so tired yeah. the same the same same and yeah and <clears throat> so i beforehand i would burn out on social media really easily whereas i think since i have this new thing to share that i've never shared before as well as i feel like i can share it in my own way right and so it had it's maybe it's been shared before but not in my type exactly. of way and so it's exciting it's fun and sure i do the hashtags and i try to post regularly but i don't bother myself with like you know uh, high traffic times yeah. and, you know all these sorts of things i just post and i try to you know spread it across and if i'm including anybody for instance i just took some amazing photos with michelangelo photography who's another insta uh, instagram incubator tenant okay and they're just they're epic. I just created a new poster um, with one of them for fun. So what's the internet? Uh, what, I mean, what's the Instagram handle? It's McAllen IA. Okay. So and if you type in McAllen IA, or if you're searching for me and you forget that, it's McAllen Irish Arts. Okay. IA for Irish Arts. And so I took some great photos with that. And that's been fun because he asked me, what do you want to do? I was like, ah, I'm sick of my <laughs> own face. Do whatever you want to do. And I love experimenting different types so do what you want and we just i think that's awesome because a lot of a lot of people are like no i want it this way i want it this way they don't let the the artist create what they create i think that's one of the things that if you're open to it like go for it try whatever it was it, it I, neither of us expected what was to come out of it i think he was worried because he's like okay, I've got that, you know, just feeling me out. Yeah. And since we're in the same building, like he can just stop in my office and I'm like, oh, I like things like this. I've taken pictures like this before. And, um, but honestly, like, <laughs> uh, let, let's do it. My only, my only request was my new dress that I got for this past, um, competition. I'd like to showcase it a little bit because it's newer, but right. still has some old traditional elements to it. And I like it. And I think it grabs people a different way because people see instruments and stuff. And if they're not paying attention to what's written on the instrument, it could be anything. But hmm. something like an Irish dance dress, an Irish dance solo dress, it's very different and peculiar. And I have a lot of people who may not see me in my office because I'm behind this huge like <laughs> desk and there's like things hanging in my window. They don't even see me. And I see so many people stop at my window just to stare at the dresses yeah. and because it's an interesting piece right and so i take that as my opportunity to pop i'm like hey <laughs> by the way <laughs> right. this is and but it's cool because people try to guess what it is like is this is drill team getting really intense lately interesting and i and i explained to them they're like oh wow yes i know what you're talking and they're able to put some connections together so it's 
it's a cool pool and uh, that'll be my new poster released today nice uh, that photo um but i i think that's what it is it it feels serendipitous because i was just i let myself be open to it and yeah. if that's a lesson for anyone just like don't, go with it yeah go with it don't take yourself too seriously of course like respect yourself if you're an artist like something that i'm always telling people i invite for art and stuff i'm always like total like clarity between us yeah. i believe in taking care of the artist if this is something you can do awesome i'm going to take care of you if not that's okay i'm sure we will meet yeah exactly in something way. always comes around something always comes around and in McAllen, especially i found out <laughs> you will run into people oh yeah for sure <laughs> like, so it's cool like people who can't do it or whatever it's like it's fine if you can't come to this can't do this i have a monthly event it's free i'm about to start the weekly music it's free there's no need to feel like you need to sign this right. contract with forever it. right yeah. uh, and i think that's we're in a hobbyist sort of time yeah, where definitely um everyone you know in i'm the same i like hot yoga gym people membership. people want to explore everything and i think that's cool i think i think that's cool because the younger generation is like all right well there's so much things we can possibly do i want to explore them all and i'll pick what i like and if i don't like it then i won't do it right and like for instance look at somebody like me if you would have caught me from eight to 14 years old Irish dance was like my life and um I was there all week, every weekend, and I was traveling once a month to competitions. And then after 14, it was just like flatline. I was burnt out. I didn't want to do it. And then when I was 17 or so, I was invited into an Irish dance company. And then I realized like, oh, I wasn't burnt out on dancing or the type of artistic or cultural expression. It was just competition. It was like, mm. I... I was good at it, but I think after a while, maybe it doesn't suit my personality so much because at first I take things really seriously, but then it's hard for me when you see everyone taking themselves so seriously. It's, it's What's an interesting perspective that you saw that? Yeah, it's, it's, it's hard because you enjoy it and you understand why people are taking it seriously right. and stuff. And I don't know if it's a blessing or a failing of my personality. <laughs> it's like, yes. And then I'm like, it's really not that important. Like, you know, I love it. Yeah. But, I, you know, it, some people, you know, I I wouldn't ever make somebody feel bad for their emotional feelings about exactly something. Exactly, towards but, something. Right. But, for instance, I was younger and I was like 13 or 14 and I would see somebody cry for not winning. And that makes you feel like, you know, and I was like, no, like, I don't want yeah. to. I don't want <laughs> to feel like I don't want to feel like that for a craft I should love and it's a very weird uh place that you're in especially like with dance moms when they take their kids to like the right. dance things oh, yes. some of that stuff is like hardcore it's hardcore and uh so I do I do teach seasonally at Dance Center of Edinburgh uh, I help them choreograph their Irish show okay which that's another serendipitous thing after I opened that window I met them at the Palmas Festival like i see here irish dancers <laughs> and I, are you in irish dance school and they're like no we're a ballet and repertoire like dance theater school but we took some workshops and we love it and would you like to come on board and so that has been i think that's been really transformative not just for like students for me mm -hmm. because of what i was telling you you need that sort of outer stimulation of different genres exactly and what i like about it is these are fairly advanced dancers i mean it's a range of ages but the ones i started working with were like the advanced ones the top levels and they're anywhere from 14 to 18 years old and they win in their ballet and jazz and hip-hop and contemporary and drill team you know all these sorts of things which i've taken part in but not as seriously as that sort of level and it's exciting because they're good. They have the physical ability. Right. Um, but I have to break things down in a technical, scientific way. And it's something that I love to do. And it also makes, it helps my own craft because... So then you, lo you love to teach. Yes. And so basically what happened, I was grabbing choreography, you know, at my old studio to prepare for this competition. And I would video myself like, oh, that's trash. <laughs> <laughs> like, get this out of my face. Delete it. And um, I was so upset. And then 
right when I start teaching and then I'm creating new choreography and I have to break things down to a microscopic level because for instance, tap has tons of similar rhythms Interesting. to Irish dance and vice versa. The only difference is dancer technique. For instance, in Irish dance, your legs are always crossed, always turned out, always in releve, which is on your toes. Whereas tap is side by side, very grounded on your heels as well. So they know how to make these rhythms. So hmm. what I had to do is I had to engage them in certain rhythms. And then as they started getting used to it, start tweaking them, tweaking them. Okay, bring it closer, bring it closer, bring it higher, higher, and all that. And last year, it was a struggle, not in a bad way, just like everyone's like, <laughs> Again, everyone's super tired, sore in places that never been sore before because they're using entirely different muscles. And but this year was super cool. I had them for, you know, just the first rehearsal of the year. And I was like, okay, let's just do some across the floors to warm up. And I saw them go across the floor, same things I had them do last year, but it was different. Something changed. It wasn't this very balletic, you know. Right. Uh, style, which there's nothing wrong with it. That's what they are, you know, uh, ballet dancers and stuff. Uh, but it was so cool because they got the only other way to say it is the groove. Okay. They got the groove. There's this sort of, especially if you're an Irish dancer or any sort of dancer, there's a certain type of groove you get in when you're lazy or when you're just relaxing or just warming up. And they got that Irish dance groove. And when they were like landing and just warming up, I was like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> you look like Irish dancers warming up. I am so happy. <laughs> I think, is it because of the little bit of drinking that the Irish people do? It's like, all right, I'm a little loose. Maybe, maybe. <laughs> and um, so that was super cool. And having to break down te uh, technique for them, like it would just naturally translate to me because I had to go over and over right, it for right. like two hours. So then when I go into my private personal practice for my competition or show or whatever, all of a sudden I realize, I, I see where I was being lazy. I see what I was doing. <laughs> I see what I was doing there. And it's just a remarkable difference. And I see how I dance now versus just the summer, which I was a championship Irish dancer um, oh. when I was young. So it wasn't that, you know, it wasn't a, it was a stylistic change going from a, a little more simple, a little more expressive of the music to just very athletic irish dance is like the crossfit i guess you could say of classic uh dances and that's what i would tell all my dancers i was like i'm gonna be annoying about warm-ups this year <laughs> because i started dancing and i was being bad and not warming up properly <laughs> and i definitely pulled my hamstring so we're gonna be really intense about warm-ups this year <laughs> so it it's it's crossfit yeah it's crossfit dance so i have to ask you this since you travel quite a bit the coronavirus it's oh, a very yes. trending yes. topic oh, right gosh. now. Ma, just turn this off. Don't even listen <laughs> to the rest of this. <laughs> there's so many controversies about it. And there's so much coming out about it. What are your thoughts on it? So basically, I've been reading up just enough so I don't freak myself out. I waited a good period <laughs> of time before I started reading it. And uh, basically, just as a fact finder, this is my academic post-grad mind game, just as a fact finder, the common things that come up it's not airborne it's if, oh, hold on lay your uh, lay your groundwork first because oh. let's talk about your education because you're not oh, <laughs> oh yes I want, I want people to know that i'm talking to a credible person oh yes <laughs> i don't know <laughs> I, don't I don't know i don't know how credible i am uh so i went to undergrad at tcu go frogs forever um undergrad at TCU for poli sci, political science, emphasis, international relations. And I was a double minor in classical studies in theater. So you can already see this is the mind of somebody who's like, I want to make an income, but I also don't want to let go of my history and my literature and my arts. Um, I had a great time. I was in a model United Nations, moot court uh, competition for all that. And I ended up after that, I graduated a year early, which Lord, why did I do? <laughs> um, I, I graduated a year early and I did my first year of law school at Villanova in Philly and a lot happened. There were family health issues and stuff of that nature. And I came back to Dallas a, a bit deflated and I left Philadelphia and I just was, you know, 
listless, I suppose, without direction. And I was taking on internships with the district attorney. So when I would re-enter law school, it didn't look like, you know, I'm thinking like the professional, oh, what did you do with your time off? Oh, I was with the district attorney. That's how I always used to think, what will look, I need to always have my resume. Yeah, what look good on paper, yeah. Mm -hmm. I need to have my paper filled. And I was doing, I was working with the district attorney in crimes against children. And that was very harrowing because that's real life and anybody with children or without children but especially people with children can just you don't want to imagine it but you can imagine the type of casework and stuff i would have to go through and the type of depositions and going through tapes and evidence and it's it's yeah it's it's heart-wrenching i have a one of my clients is a children's advocacy center of dalgo county (laughs) i think she's i i'm actually in contact with them they'll actually be representing as vendors at the festival yes (laughs) so yeah they they uh they we got our numbers back and they're they're starting to see more and more and more of these cases happen every single year gosh sucks Uh, and you know as a mom now i don't want to make myself sound heartless before i was a mom but you just don't have that same type of understanding but when you see how humans are formed in the sense it's like you know when you don't have children it's easy to dismiss children yeah oh these kids you know whatever youths these days but when you see one every day growing you realize like this is its own little soul this is its own person a whole person you know and like the world can make or break that person already right there and um so things like this, the reason yeah. she they reached out to me, I was like, uh, duh, you can be, <laughs> of course you can be there. I actually, uh, I was interested in one of their events and I was out of town and couldn't go. Um, but yeah, so that was kind of what I was doing. It was, uh, you know, it was legal work, uh, criminal it, in the courthouse, things of this nature. I was thinking of going into public policy, and what happened was I had a very, uh, I feel like, destined shift into mediation, and SMU, which is in Dallas, uh, was promoting their mediation course at the time, and basically it transformed my view of how to look at conflict and how we're in this very uh, competitive, directive world where we at the most will uh, you know maybe be like okay you get this if i get this but people are still losing in some little way where it changes from going from that piece of the pie thinking to collaboration right so mediation what's cool about it it's this legal way and it, it can be done independently you know you can seek out a mediator yourself or through a courtroom and you can create your own you know, as some uh, something that wouldn't ever be given in a courtroom. Right. You know, you could say like, oh, well, you can do it like this. You make these very personal things that are meaningful to you. And most of the time, because people are making those decisions for themselves, they're, uh, there's some statistic. Y'all Google it because I'm terrible today with my sources. <laughs> um, there's some sort of statistic that when somebody feels that they have ownership in a certain decision, even if it's one they don't like very much, they're a majority more likely to follow it to follow through on it because they feel somewhat in control that they had a say in it that's why a lot of Mm top-down businesses end up failing a lot uh in those hierarchies because evidently your employees feel like they don't contribute anything they don't matter sort of thing and so mediation doesn't just go in the legal avenue it also goes into business and team building as well the culture of the business exactly and so a lot of people who specialize in mediation end up going into these sort of team building uh what's the word i'm looking for philosophies Mm -hmm. or uh pools of thought in companies will hire them and they will go and basically change everything and so one of my more recent jaunts i went to bogota colombia to train with future search which is like this it attracts a lot of mediators as well as consultants okay uh, come to this area and it to pretty much a three-day meeting but every you know everyone has to be there from top management down to like the printer down to the janitor and everyone you know puts everything up on whiteboards and get mixed up in groups and it sounds really like woo woo yeah and a lot of business type people 
you know, resist that. But then once you're halfway through, it's like you see, you see the change and uh, big business, big successful businesses like Ikea and Google implement things of this nature. And they go through yearly reviews, quarterly reviews. And they're always doing that because they realize it's about innovation and you can't innovate if everything's like, yeah, I think the quote is, uh, you have to try to put yourself out of business before somebody else does. Yeah. So very interesting. Yeah. So, um, so let's talk about the coronavirus. So, <laughs> so that I, I was prefacing that because I wanted to, you actually went to college, you, you studied, you do, you do, you've been in the professional world yeah. and you traveled. Yeah. So that's kind of what I was trying to get across is like your experience. Mm-hmm. So you formed an opinion on the coronavirus. So let's talk about that. Okay. So I went to post-grad and had to write a thesis. And what you need to do with that is you need to just read all the sources, step away and let all the common factors, you know, rise to the surface. And basically what I've heard is three, the main things I keep going on. It's not airborne. It's really about people sneezing, coughing, you know, in the area, you touching it and these sorts of things. And uh, at first when I was freaking out, it's like, just wash your hands. Yeah. Somebody's coughing. Stay away from them. If you feel like you're coughing, stay away from them. Second thing I saw was that you need to have a fever and uh, flu-like symptoms. If you're sick, just stay home. Just go straight <laughs> to the doctor. I, I think maybe this is a very um, Western ideal. We just work ourselves into the ground. We don't take ourselves seriously when we're sick. Yeah. And I think that's, well, I can't speak for what happened in China, but I think when things happen here in America, it's a lot of that we force ourselves to work we force ourselves into schools and we're sick we're not well and we don't wash our hands we don't take care of not cleanliness but you know what i mean hygiene general hygiene that general hygiene that should always be on your mind and this is me being a mom (laughs) but now i'm always like ah like just wiping everything down well they just released somebody from uh was it was it dallas or was it houston and they went to the the mall where's it san antonio forget what it was but they recent person saying that they didn't have the coronavirus and then like two days later it's like no he did this see this kills me so <laughs> i am a learned individual however i am personally very uh paranoid i don't i don't let it cripple me per se in the sense that i won't do anything but it's very hard for me because i've had very similar instances not with coronavirus obviously but just other medical issues in my f- family and close friends where yeah. that happens it gets misdiagnosed or it's not caught and it ends up being it's very common and it ends up being serious and doctors are human of course like there's not but i think with our healthcare system and just trying to get people in and out it's humans are not infallible they're going to make mistakes and we just need to set it up where people are going to make mistakes but in that sense of making a business structure or a collaborative structure where everyone is able to focus kind of compare and contrast and do the best work that they can realistically at that moment. But as far as traveling, I will not <laughs> be traveling. Um, I, I, I think the best thing to do at that point is if you can afford it, wait it out. I mean, if it's, yeah. if it's holidays and stuff like that, just use your two weeks another time. Like I've just always wanted to go to Japan and it's like, it's not going to happen for a long time now. I know. <laughs> Sucks. I, and what's crazy is I was just, that's something I've been doing about Japan. And there was this one group that were holding auditions. Like, we're going to have a Japan summer tour. It's like, whoa, <laughs> I want to do that. And then, boof. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, That's not going to happen. <laughs> I, I would say, from what I read, uh, panicking is not going to do anything. If you can afford to move around your travel or whatever, just do it. Normally, these things, I would say, four to six months, you can feel a bit. Because people generally, in the experience of other things, of this nature that we've experienced they have a better sense or yeah. idea of it i think what's been so scary about this is it just spread rapidly and nobody had any idea how or where or what um wait it out if you must travel if you see somebody coughing or sneezing just use common sense <laughs> yeah it's difficult especially like when you're in a plane and then yeah. like everybody's coughing there's stick children and stuff like that like, i i read that there was a diagram and if somebody was sitting like and let's say you're on a big international flight and there's those like four seats in the middle and three mm-hmm. on either side um if they're sitting in the middle 
the ones on either side of them will be at most risk. But if you're in the side aisles, it's like low to no risk. Mm. And so the main thing you need to worry about at that point is like, if you're getting up to go to the bathroom and you're touching handles right. and you're walking around Just hand sanitizer, hand sanitizer, <laughs> wipes, you know, and stuff. I heard face masks do not help. Yeah, that's what I heard too. There's certain ones because um, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm a business person, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm very business oriented yeah. and uh, there's already a shortage of these masks. Right. And I was going to buy a ton of, uh, I think, N95 masks, mm-hmm. which are the ones that you can't get. They're, they're like triple filtered. Oh, yeah. And I was going to resell them because... Oh, it, yeah. You're a businessman. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but the thing that, that crossed my mind was when uh, we had that eclipse and there was a guy that bought a ton of uh, the glasses so you can yes. look at them. And this guy made millions of dollars because he saw it coming up. And I was like, this is it. This is the next thing. And then there's going to be something else is the next thing. I just didn't buy the damn mess. I, I should have just bought it. on time. Just to show you the type of person I am, where I say I'm learned, but I'm also very paranoid. I can very easily, you know, tell you yeah. this. I can keep a calm voice. But just during that lunar eclipse, I took a picture like going backwards, like selfie to see it. And I was convinced that I like <laughs> ruined my eyes. And my husband and my stepdad are just like, you are fine. <laughs> you are. It's like, no, like I see like this weird like tunnel vision. Are you sure? Like they said to not take a picture yeah. directly. They said, don't take a picture directly because you're like looking directly. At it's, it. it's weird because uh, us as, uh, as American, well, I think it's, it's everywhere. People love controversy. People love controversy. And I think President Trump is the biggest (laughs) controversial figure because he said (laughs) he said that the coronavirus is fake news. (laughs) I just find it hilarious. If people are watching, I'm sure you only need to see my face as a professional who wants to reach all different sorts of social strata. I will uh, keep myself uh, not censored, but maybe a little more like suggestive. Um, I think the problem with news in America, and this is no matter what side of the tracks you fall on as far as politically, uh, international friends who visit, it blows their mind that we have partisan news. It blows their mind that any sort of news source would in any way uh, promote or anything or give an opinion, Yeah, if that makes sense. And it blows their mind where it's something we're kind of ingrained and used to. So that doesn't happen in other countries? No, it doesn't. I. Uh, maybe in more broken countries. That's a terrible thing to say, but um, but uh, maybe a little more unrest. It, in those countries, you might see things that are much more opinionated on the news because the mm-hmm. powerful party will pull it or something like that. Um, but as far as just regular old, you know, other Western countries, that's not something they're used to at all. And I think that's when I had a friend visit me in Dublin and we're opposite sides of the track but we have fun you know uh, banter uh, banding our words back and forth and basically what i said it's like i think even myself as humans going back to that we take ourselves so seriously of course these are serious Mm -hmm. matters there's nothing you know especially coronavirus and like the uh, migrant and refugee issues these are all like health and safety issues and humanity issues so yes you must take them seriously But what happens, I think our failing as Americans, Democrat or Republican, is that we treat our political affiliations as if they were a sports team. Right. We get behind something someone says just because they're our team captain. Right. And I think that's wrong for either side. And I've seen myself do it and I have to like roll back a little bit and be like, wait, let me actually, you know, look at this and stuff. But I think that's our main problem. I think we've been afforded a lot in this life. We're very fortunate, you know, to it's live. It's a very interesting time because we've yeah. never had as much access as we do to like political figures mm-hmm. than ever before. Yeah. It feels very personal yeah. and people feel personally invested in somebody. And I see it even with uh, younger people and friends who, you know, follow celebrity Instagrams and they talk about people like yeah. they know him. I was like, whoa, that looks weird. And they're like, well, actually he blah, blah, blah. As if, you know, they talk right. it's like, whoa, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's weird because uh, I think I think the President Trump is going to win this next term simply because he has attention. He has attention. He is a master at grabbing attention. And that's what happened. Uh, this was already I was living in Brazil for the um for his first term, the election. And there was, uh, I was reading an article that said 
he's had like this exorbitant amount of free press just because he's so attention getting. He hadn't, he's, you know, he has all the money, you know, to put into his campaign and he didn't even need to spend like a fraction of what other people had to spend. It's interesting. uh, Getting the attention. And, you know, something that may scare people or give people hope is that the world always wants to level itself out. The, your life, the universe, politics, uh, you know, it, it's always going to want to level itself out. You're going to be four to eight years of one extreme, mm-hmm. four to eight years of another extreme. Okay. And every time it oscillates, that other side is going to reverse everything that other people have done. And they don't realize it, but through that creating and canceling out, creating, canceling out, is we are actually creating an equilibrium. Yeah. We're actually creating <laughs> this middle. Over the world. long term, when yeah. you look back at it. Right, we're actually creating this, this uh, middle ground without realizing it because every time somebody cancel something out they miss something or it doesn't matter so much and so little areas get built up i mean obviously that's a bit frustrating when you want like immediate change but for long-term hope if anyone's ever like freaking out about something like i do regularly (laughs) um, (laughs) you can always sort of come to that is that we're just always back and forth back and forth and when you do that it's just creating a natural middle it's creating this natural ground in between it and I think I I think our main problem also something that was just horrendous last year it was literally a 50-50 split of who voted who didn't. Yeah. Today's voting day as well. <laughs> wow, yes. You can vote at the McAllen Creative Incubator folks. <laughs> I do know that. Um but 50% uh, or near 50% did not vote of the population. Yeah. And so that's very difficult and when I lived in Brazil actually required to vote really? you can actually get your you won't be able to renew your passport or license you get fined and stuff and i think it's because of course they've been going through a lot of government turmoil like lately and recently but as far as you know democracy and stability they're still like fairly new and i think for all their suffering uh in regards to that i think they're the most civically active population as well. Interesting. And I feel like in Ireland, and similar when I was there, people were like, oh, people don't care. But they all went out for a referendum one day. Um, and basically, it was a popularity reference. So the most votes wins. Right. People who were like expats in other countries flew into Ireland. Really? Because they cared about it and they voted. Wow. And that was actually the referendum for gay marriage. Interesting. And like just blew it out of the water and it was a true popular vote and it was like everyone's hair standed on end because it was that's actually true democracy and as a political science major we think we have a democracy this isn't to scare anybody and we do we're very democratic but we're actually a republic and that's why we have representatives to represent us because there's so many of us so you have to whittle it down and you get representatives that represent your areas and interests and you trust them to make decisions right. on your behalf. And that's why it's, if anything, it's even more <laughs> important yeah. because they're speaking for you, you know, and you have to get somebody, maybe you you don't have to agree with everything they say, but you have to feel the trust that when they do make a decision, they're doing it with the intention of representing you, if right. that makes sense. I think there's like, just a lot of confusion around politics because mm-hmm. it's not like it's white and black. It's th- There's gray and then you oh, see stuff so on TV. Great. It's like it's like a circus. It's, so it's very weird. Like I, I never really paid attention to politics in, until the last few years. Yeah. And when I'm looking, I was like, oh, is this what we have? It's Well, that's when about <laughs> when you stepped in is when I stepped out. I was like, done. <laughs> Can I clock out, please? Um, <laughs> it's very interesting. It's a very interesting world we live in. And uh, I think uh, social media has opened it up to everybody. And mm-hmm. now that people are a little bit more willing to put themselves out there, especially in social media, it gives the world a magnifying glass into what they are, what they're about, their ideals and stuff like that. But uh, before we finish off the podcast, let's plug your event one more time. Yes. The South Texas Irish Festival, April 4th. So tell us who's coming. Alrighty, so we have our headliner, which is the lovely Dave Curley. You can YouTube him and you will find hours of entertainment. We have Joseph Carmichael and Antonio Santiago, both uh, from Dallas. Well, Joseph's from Houston now, but they play together in Dallas. 
often and Antonio's grown up playing with Joseph. So they are great. They are nice. both highly lauded in the Texas Irish music community. We have Therese Honey and she is a harpist and she's inspired. That's awesome. She's she's really cool. She's like, you know, she's like on tour right now and it, she's coming to our festival. And what I like about it is I'm not trying to make Irish music just about one thing the you know, the crazy banjo shredding or stuff. We have to look at the whole picture and harp uh, what people don't realize there's very few traditional Irish instruments left. And the two of them, one is the harp and the other is the boron, which is the a sort of handheld drum. And those are the sort of uh, most ancient uh, okay. instruments that we know that come from Ireland. So she plays the harp and she plays everything from upbeat things to older, you know, Baroque and medieval things that, you know, have been around for centuries. So that's really cool. And that's awesome. uh, they, and also, uh, we have Catherine Kohler and Jack Dingler, um, known for her storytelling, but as well has an incredible voice. She sings and he plays guitar. They basically, we've got all everything covered here. <laughs> You're going to experience everything from, uh, all the way when I say traditional, like back to the medieval ages, to all the way traditional now, which is your standard repertoire to things that people are newly creating, but in the old tradition. So they're all awesome. They're going to be playing all day uh, along with dancers and they're all going to have CDs for sale as well. Nice. And they all have social media as well if you want to awesome. look them up. Awesome. Cool. So it's free admission. It's uh, open to everybody, families, everybody. children. So if you're looking for something to do on a Sunday on April 4th. Oh, no, that one's Saturday. Saturday. I should have done it Sunday, right? So uh, if you're looking for something to do on Saturday, April 4th, uh, make sure you check out the South Texas Irish Festival. Uh, like, I'd like to thank you very much for being my guest on thank the podcast. Thank you so much. It was fun. And this will come out pretty soon. So keep your eyes open for it. And uh, just one more time, let everybody know who you are and... All right. I'm Angelica. Uh, you can find me on social media, Angelica Eleni or Angelica Eleni Ruby Scolberto. I run McAllen Irish Arts and I will be hosting the South Texas Irish Festival at the McAllen Creative Incubator, sponsored by the Chamber of Commerce. It's going to be right there on Main Street. It's open all day. So no excuse. I want to see you there. <laughs> Say your name one more one more time. The your full name. Yes, it's, it flows really good. Angelica Eleni Ruby Scolberto. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. All right, we'll see you guys later.